Hello, this is Paula. And this is Susanna. And And this this is is the Joy Joy of Home Home podcast. The Joy of Home is a podcast about stories of the love of home, the joy of your own home, how you make your spaces personal to yourself. We'll have conversations about what makes a happy home with a variety of guests. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Right. Well, welcome to the new episode of Joy of Home with Paula and myself in here. Hello. Hello, everybody. So um, we've got a bit of a treat this time, haven't we, Susanna? Because it's it's the two of us having a chat about something, but I'll let you announce that. Well, we feel like it's a bit of a treat. We basically were just planning on these episodes and one of the questions that we both get asked all the time is how did we end up where we are and how did we become, well, I guess we are influencers of sorts in, well, we are both more on the we are not exactly your typical influencers, or at least when we started, neither of us quite fit into the I always like... call myself an accidental influencer. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I, it's just, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not what most middle-aged people, I guess, are doing for their day job. So I guess it's, like, in that sense, quite interesting to hear how we got here. So we thought that today we talk about that in depth. It's not just going to be a quick answer, like, oh, yeah, I just stumbled on it, but go actually go further back and I guess try to find reasons how we actually end up doing what we are doing at the moment lots of sliding door moments I think like you know the moments that like you know it could have gone either way but it just went this way and here we are I'm so intrigued because I know you've got such an analytical mind so I am fascinated to hear about your story literally from childhood to the choices you made academically that led you to the career that you had before you got to this crazy world of social media. So um, obviously, obviously, you didn't grow. I, I'm a South Londoner, you, but you grew up somewhere wonderfully exotic to me. <laughs> where's where's this exotic? Where's this exotic place that you grew up, Susanna? <laughs> <laughs> it's not well for me. It doesn't feel that exotic. But I guess if we are now sitting in here in the England, it feels quite exotic. So yes, I grew up in Southwest Finland. And um, I lived in the same house. I think I mentioned this already before. Um, for my first eighteen years of my life, with my parents and my two brothers, so I was the oldest child. And we lived in middle of nowhere, really. So very much country living in there. And I left home when I was eighteen, and I have moved around lots of times after that. But. I feel like that it's so nice to have still that childhood home so I can still visit the same. I still have the same room, although my youngest brother moved in because he's quite a lot. He's 11, eight years younger than I am. So he moved to that room. Right now. Sorry, your your family still live in the same home? Yes, they still live in the same house. Yeah. That's just the dream, isn't it's it? It's wonderful. There's such a romance in in knowing as an adult that you can still go back to the same place. You see, I, I haven't got that. 
but I think I think that's a wonderful thing. It's the sort of thing that I would like to provide for my children. I think that sense of continuity and permanence. But um, but sorry, I, I digress. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, it was my um, it was actually my grandparents' house. Oh, so even, even my better, dad my has... goodness, down the line of generations. <laughs> yeah, lots of history in there, which is great. I guess there's bits of pressure for my parents, and I mean, obviously they are they're getting older. They are very fit and healthy at the moment. Touching wood here, hope long may that last. But it's an old farm, and there's obviously lots of jobs to do. So I'm I'm thinking that my parents probably do feel a bit of pressure that if they do become more frail or or when they get older, that how they're going to cope in there. But is there is there a chance that your brother that your brother may take it over? Will it stay in the family? Do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. It's I, I ideally it would be lovely if we could keep it the three of us, and even if it would be just for using occasionally at summer. My daughter is actually very determined that she really would like to have that house one day. So maybe if my parents hang in there for a little bit longer, she's all a teenager at the moment. So it's not allowed to, it's it's not allowed to go anywhere at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think we yeah, we all feel very fondly about the family home. I'm not sure how this has anything to do with the No, no, I don't know. But how, how do you become an influencer? Well one day I live in this beautiful gingerbread cottage. <laughs> Exactly. We really took you, it back then. Do you, know, do you know what this is? This is just me being particularly nosy. It's sort of like I'm, I'm, I'm getting in all the information that I really want to, to get out of you um, on the pretext of how did you become an influencer? But um, sorry, but carry on. Carry on. Well, it's, yeah, so like I said, it doesn't really link into the actual topic of today's, today's topic at all. But um, when I was at school, I went to this teeny tiny little primary school little village school that was quite um when I see, say small I really mean small in my class there was me and two boys and in the, in the whole school there was on average you know 20-ish children so um it was quite kind of like a interesting place to grow up I guess because I had to I didn't have any girls in my class and although the boys were I'm sure very nice boys that age you just want to be hanging with girls so I I used to spend lots of time with both older and younger children so you get used to kind of like that sort of thing also nothing to do with the topic we're talking about but I'm really trying very really trying to get it is interesting no it is interesting because of course when you're that age it frames the, the jobs that you see, the things that you see your parents and other people's parents doing, it often does frame, you know, the ideas that you have for yourself in the future. So maybe at that point, maybe what did you what did you think you wanted to be when you were in this little village school? Maybe you wanted to be, I don't know, a fire person or a or a nurse, whatever. You know, well, I had aspir- I had aspirations to become like um, what are they called? The people who are like the sea sea captains captains yes, on the big exactly you see so, <laughs> and I also really wanted to be an artist that was my other thing I loved painting I was really into well drawing and and that that's that's what I, and I also really enjoyed we didn't actually study much of the sciences in the primary school in Finland but then in the secondary school and in the a levels that's kind of like the sciences and art have always been my two favorite subjects which then led me actually studying neurobiology at the uni and 
working in kind of like the scientific field, I guess, for the first, well, I started the influencing career when I had just turned 40. So I guess the first 20 years really I spent on doing something very different. So really you you, you were, I mean, I know that's such a broad term and it's probably a, a very lay person's term who doesn't know what they're talking about, but you are a trained scientist. I am, yes. I studied the science and I was working in various research groups and then I moved to UK and that was after I had met my now husband and then I started working in a pharmaceutical company which was a very different experience but I really enjoyed it at the time it was very good and it, it worked out really well so that was fine but unfortunately there was some well there was kind of a couple of reasons why I decided to leave my children were young and my husband traveled loads and it, it just felt like I had I was not kind of like things kind of changed at the workplace as well so it wasn't quite as enjoyable as it had been and I just felt like I was just missing out I missed my daughter's first school concert which I think was the reason that I just decided the catalyst catalyst that uh, made you reassess yeah I need to find something else that this just won't do that I'm not I don't want to live my life like that and during this time did you have a creative outlet Were were you doing anything um to do with your art or were you doing anything to do with interiors or, or was or was it just home was home and work was science home was home yes at, at that point we had um we had moved to our previous house which we renovated that was the house that had the sunken bath I don't know if I have told you or shared <laughs> you about that so it needed it needed some um well it was fine it, the house itself wasn't yeah. there was nothing wrong with it but it just needed updating but the sunken bath sounds very retro sexy that's it's very it was very, well <laughs> yes it's it wasn't quite that it was more kind of like somebody's um somebody's take on that it was fully carpeted a handmade bath, sunken no, bath situation <laughs> no it was just like a really like a quite small beige bath in a fairly big room, so it looked more like a death trap, really, than anything that would be inviting you in there. (laughs) So during that time, I decided to do a little um, interior design course. It was like just in a local college, and I went there and did that, and I really enjoyed it, really, really enjoyed it, and there was a really brief moment in my life when I thought that maybe I could become an interior designer. And I got one customer, oh my this goodness. really lovely mom. From I know, well, wait until you see where this goes. <laughs> it, it did not have a happy ending. She was absolutely wonderful. She had just renovated her house and she had all the big furniture in place, but she just needed some help to kind of like add the finishing touches, which is, you know, obviously my favorite part anyway. So I thought, well, this is going to be wonderful. She had a very nice taste meaning she liked my taste. (laughs) So it really was like, you know, you would think that this could have been the start of something beautiful. I found it so stressful, so stressful. I can like, I I kept delaying it and I kept delaying it. the responsibility of being um, in charge of somebody else's um, design situation because I've, over the years, I have been asked to do several projects for other people and I'm the same. I find it, very stressful the idea of being responsible for somebody else's interior happiness I suppose you know I I it's just it was too much for me and it's interesting because I'm quite confident in my 
own home decor and I don't feel like I get paralyzed by making decisions especially easily and I'm more than happy to give free advice to my friends if they ask that but it turned out that if there was any kind of like a payment involved it just became too stressful and I just couldn't do it so I was thinking that well this is this is not this is not going to be for me and then the reason how I started the whole Instagram Instagramming is is that I went on a holiday and had taken a bunch of red magazines with me because I hadn't had a chance to read them. And whilst I was lying on that sun lounger and reading the magazines, I spotted an article about social media moms or something. Like, I can't remember the name of the course, but there was basically a course for social media managers because there was this whole new big thing that brands needed social media managers and I had been on the lookout for a flexible um, job for a while already at that point. I, I feel like I went from everything from A to Z, thinking, what can I do? What, what, is, what is there that I can be done, that can be done home? It's flexible, doesn't require me working during the school so, hours. So at the moment, had you given up the, the job in science? Were you at Yes. Home? So I had... Yeah, I had already given up this point, my job, but always thinking that I needed to find something else. And our, our stories are so similar; it's incredible. This, uh, you know, and I, I think that very, very similar. But anyway, carry on because I think it's so interesting that a lot of people um, who found themselves in this situation um, with social media and, and um, having it as their main career reached a pivotal point in their career or their life, whether it's children or whether it's um, moving abroad or moving somewhere different. And that was the catalyst, having to find something that created a balance. But um, so it's fascinating that we're, you know, it's there are so many parallels to our situation. Yeah. Yes. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm thinking that there's going to be lots of us who ended up doing like something like this. And back in then, working from home was not as common or as easily arranged as it is these days. So it wasn't. I was able to work from my previous job sometimes from home. I think it was usually quite stressful and not 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 at all that something that I would actually even thought that I could be doing full time working from home for the company. So so I had been on the lookout for a new job. I had even considered maybe trying to apply for a job at school. But I have a bit of a fear of groups of children, so I thought that's that probably won't be won't be my best bet really I don't know what it is I'm I have nothing against children I very much love my own children but when there's a creep of them I find it quite is that actually a power not not power. is that a, a phobia is this actually a, a phobia that you have <laughs> I'm not sure if it's an actual real phobia it makes you feel uneasy Yes, and I just felt like that. I'm not sure if I would be any good, and I, I, I think I'm more one-to-one contact rather than having like a big group of children. Yeah. Oh, that's that's that is fascinating as well, Mike. So, what about with um? So, with um, your children's the parties they would go to or things. Would it be yes? Would that be an overwhelming Terrifying. experience for you? Yeah. Or hosting them. I had to always, when my children were younger, I had to always pay to pay an, for an entertainer or get somebody else, my husband, to be in charge and make promise that he was doing the, all the managing pieces. I was happy to be in there and I was happy to talk to children, but I just wouldn't be able to be in charge. Like, I don't understand how teachers 
yes, and I don't understand like teachers who have a whole big classroom that they are able to kind of like you know Command keep the, the children attention. doing one thing. Yes, <laughs> that would not be my, me. None at all. Well, I suppose as a scientist, you, you're sort of like you're looking at things in detail, and I know that you you look at um, just looking at your Instagram account and looking at your aesthetic. You are very detail led, aren't you? You love the detail of things. Yes, I do. But in a way, I'm also more for, I'm, I'm not, like for lots of things in my life, I'm more for the big picture. So I'm not a, a perfectionist or anybody who needs to have things in exactly like that. I'm quite happy just to kind of like have a look on the over, overall thing. But I, I guess I am in the details to some extent, definitely. So interesting. So you... um. So you went from, so you were on holiday and you were reading Red Magazine and you read an article about the rise of the, was it the mummy blogger or the mummy influencer or? No, it was actually for, just for in general, the rise of social media and how it could be an other kind of like a line of potential line of work for stay at home moms that they could retrain as social media managers and then they could be managing other people's or other brands social media basically and I was first thinking that could be something but then in the article it was also they also mentioned that there's actually just people who earn money by just basically posting things on Instagram meaning the influencers and I had at that point not ever even heard about that that could be an had you had you heard of Instagram? Did you had you joined Instagram? At that I had point? an Instagram account already. I had an Instagram account already called SH Nordic because of my initials and because I'm from Nordic. It had no like when I decided on that, the only thing I wanted is not to have any numbers. So it, it's not like a big big thinking process in there. That that's a, that's such a um a brilliant sort of um thing to find out because of course so many people feel that when we choose the names for our accounts that that you start off thinking it's going to be a brand this is the brand and of course you know there are many brands that start an instagram account there are people who already have a established business or start their account because they want to start a business but then there are so many of us who just chose convenient names and um and also there was this i think at the beginning of my journey on social media there was a feeling that you didn't want to put your full name on because you didn't want to expose. It was quite revealing, quite exposing. That was the scariest thing. Scariest thing. Oh, seemed a very sort of exposing thing ten years ago. So that's why you come up with a different name. I mean, mine was. I'll tell my story later on. But mine was a diff- there was a different reason why I came up with Hillhouse Vintage. But yes, having your name is a scary thing. So I can understand. I see you. Absolutely. Where SH Nordic came from, but also it it's. It's a wonderful name, though. It's a wonderful um, <laughs> sort of brand name. Well, it's well. quite short, yes. I think lots of people think I'm from a um, German-speaking country, though. I get lots of people messaging me in German, or what I'm assuming is German, because my German is very, very limited. <laughs> but I think it's because it has a slight... And I think lots of people, if they misspell it, they'd like, like to add another C in there to make it more sound like a... I don't even know if it means anything in German, but I'm, I seem to be getting lots of messages in German. So it, I'm guessing you started you you started your Instagram after you moved to Hill House. I started my Instagram after, absolutely yes, and um, and for totally different reasons. I mean, Instagram was the last 
bit of social media that I joined because I, I started blogging first and then I went um, and I started a YouTube channel way before Instagram. I, did yes, you really? I, did, I did a YouTube channel first. And so those were my two things, blogging and, and um, YouTube. And Instagram, I um, didn't understand. I didn't know what it was. I saw people posting pictures of their coffees and of their breakfasts in cafes. And it seemed to be a very trendy thing to be doing. And I thought, well, I'm the furthest removed that you can get from being trendy. So obviously that's not for me. And um, and also seemed to be people who had very good boat, um, photography skills. If it wasn't people posting their breakfasts, their um, their fry ups from the local cafe, it was people sort of showing off their photography skills. And I thought, well, I'm not a photographer, and I really don't care about showing off my breakfast every morning. So obviously, Instagram isn't for me. What, sir? I just want to know. Like, I'm just really curious about your YouTube career. So, what did you use to film your YouTube videos? And did you have a camera? Yes, I at that. Yes, I was using a. Um, it was a little Sony camera, and um, I think it was a vlogging camera because I'd been watching other people on YouTube, and I'd seen they always had these flip up cameras. I mean, it's probably all changed now. But they had these flip up cameras um, and I thought, OK, I'll get the sort of the total entry level cheapest version of that that I can um, buy and I will film some videos. And then I, used, I had a tripod and, um, and and back in those days, I mean, my goodness, I look back and they're all, they're all still on my YouTube account, by the way. So if you ever want to see, you know, you, you know, you have that um, program on telly called Embarrassing Bodies. If you want to see embarrassing YouTube <laughs> beginnings. <laughs> Go, go onto my YouTube, and I had this. I had this image of um. So I would do. I would create things. So I would make a wreath, or I would pot up herbs, or I'd pot up spice. I remember there was a spring. How to pot up spring bulbs? I knew nothing. I knew nothing about any of these things. And I and I and I would sit there, and I would talk and explain what, and I'd be making it up as I went along. And this was because I was learning at the same time. Um, but I thought, you know, this is um, this is what people on YouTube are doing. They're just sharing things. So I'm just going to show. And I, I didn't know what to show, and I didn't. It didn't consider. I didn't consider thinking about doing fashion or my house wasn't decorated properly yet. So yes, spring bulbs. I put a garden chandelier up. There's a video with the garden chandelier. But the worst thing about those early videos is that I had this image of Charlie Chaplin in my mind, and um, and there. Was- <laughs> like Charlie Chaplin <laughs> to this sort of um ragtime music so like plinkety plonk plinkety plonk plinkety plonk as I sort of like did everything really fast and really quickly and that was my um that was my style I mean there's always been vintage to my style but I mean I do not know what I was doing but yeah if you want a really good laugh at baby Paula in the early throes of social media when she didn't know what she was doing I mean I still don't know what I'm doing but I really didn't know what I'm do- I was doing then Look at the very early YouTube and um, and have a laugh. <laughs> you know that makes me a little bit worried though because the amount of instructions for various jobs I have gotten from YouTube, and now I'm thinking, are there other people as well who are just you know doing how to do this or that, which I'm watching, thinking they are the experts. Yeah, no, gosh, and... do you know? I think so much on social media is about having confidence first and skills later <laughs> you know because you know I think you see you see a lot of people learning as they go along and there is some beauty in that as long as it's not dangerous 
as long as it's not too inaccurate, um, you know, as long as the things work, you know, do not get your electrical knowledge from somebody necessarily on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> That's very wise words. Don't don't learn to rewire the house on YouTube. Although I have to say, I did learn to fix my boiler. There was a little thing with my boiler and the oil. And I did get that from YouTube. So I'm not knocking it, my goodness. But um, yes, just be careful what information you take and take some things with a pinch of salt. But it's very entertaining. But also what it does is it allows people to um, be creative and show, uh, show their own enthusiasm, I would say, more than anything. It might not always be skill, but enthusiasm, which is a lovely thing. I think it's often the way I like to see myself or or maybe more, most people really on who are doing this sort of thing, that we are more like contributors. We are not necessarily gurus of anything, but we are just sharing our own point of view or our style or our home, how we like to do things. We, I'm definitely not an expert in most that, things. That's so. exactly it. And I think it's important, you know, I like to, I don't think I, I'm, you know, you've made me realise I should say this again on my um, Instagram account, but I've always made a point of saying I'm not an expert on anything. I just like having a go. And I I like to share that. And if people can be inspired to have a go as well, or if people can be inspired by what I do, then that's great. But nothing, I, I, I certainly don't put myself up there as this is how one lives one's life. <laughs> you know, Auntie Paula, Auntie Paula teaches you the best. Um, you know, I, that's not how I see myself. And um, no, that's not how I see myself either. I don't really have that strong opinions about most things related to fashion or home decor or anything like that. I'm happy to share how I do it, but I'm definitely not claiming that that's the best or the only way to do things. There's lots of different ways of doing most things, really. Absolutely. So we've got up into the point where you you were already part of social media and that was just really... What were you showing? Oh, so you were, it was friends and family in the beginning. So it was a. I got those photos of my coffee, Paula. <laughs> the photos you mentioned oh my of gosh. the coffee. You were one of those. That people. was me. <laughs> I got lots of close-up coffees, um, and then I don't know what else would I have in there. Probably like some autumn leaves, and maybe a couple of really close-ups of my children. You know, slightly blurred, so they looked artistic. I don't remember if my account was open or private at this point, but. I just thought, well, I'm just going to use the same account because I have this already. I had never at this point before when I was still reading the Red Magazine, I had no idea what a hashtag was. I did not know much about photography. So I actually, there's a bit of a theme in here, but I'm I'm quite into kind of like doing courses and studying and learning new things. So I did the interior design course. I also did a nutritionist course. So if I would get insurance, I could be a nutritionist offering diet advice and what that course made me realize that how there are by the sound of it lots of people who basically know very little and who are qualified to give advice on the topic so why choose wisely when you are if you are thinking of hiring a nutritionist because the, the course material if itself well I guess because of my background and I had studied lots of biology before and physiology I spotted so many mistakes oh really that's fascinating which was slightly worrying but um so I also did a photography course an online course which was really lovely and I absolutely loved it I feel like that I had more of a love for photography than I had maybe for the actual interior design but your photography your photography is incredible you know it's such 
such skill and clarity and um i you, i love looking well thank you yeah i feel like my photography skills have gone downhill now though because it's all about the real so well, i i do get that because it's all about the moving image now isn't it and the real however there is still a i mean it Maybe it's obvious to say clarity because maybe that's what we're all trying to achieve. I mean, it's it's not so great if your pictures are blurred, but <laughs> although mine sometimes are. But um, I do love that precision. I, I love, I see every detail in your reel, whether it's your reels or whether it's your um, your still photography, and I think that's wonderful. It's all that the light and brightness as well um, in what you do is wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, that was that became kind of like soon my thing, and I what I really loved about the still images that I was never out of. I was always into art. I was never much of a drawer, and I'm not actually that amazing at painting either. But I, it almost felt like this art form where I could finally get end results how I wanted them to be. Like you know, when you do painting or when you do drawing, when you're not that good you have this image in your head or you, you know, have a model and you off you go and try to do your best and it's just quite as how you expect it to be. Whereas with the photos I could do and the whole kind of like the interior styling was definitely a passion of mine. How you could kind of like create these scenes and these moods and almost kind of like tell a story just by having a picture like you know like like just like having this whole kind of and everything you could I was tweaking them forever sometimes just to get them just like I, I wanted them to be and I mean looking at some of my old photos it's hard to tell but you know I guess that was my style at the moment so you know it is what it is but I really that was definitely something that I really enjoyed and I think the Instagram at that point just solely for photos felt like a great place to be sharing things like that for like-minded people who clearly had interest in the similar sort of thing so for me it felt like a, although I had started the Instagram thinking that it could be something obviously you can't have very high expectations for that because you just don't know how things are going to go but so so you felt it could be a career did you at that point well I I, I think the kind of like the article in the red magazine had kind of like given me the idea that it could be but obviously I had like 200 followers which were just family and friends and I actually the first thing I did before I started posting my pictures was to block some people because <laughs> I just thought this is like like the saging like you said about not using your first name and and like all like you know like I had some like old you know like friends from work and uni friends and I thought I don't think those need people need to be seeing me sharing pictures I, of my I remember cushions. having friends um saying why on earth are you posting your home on social on on Instagram and why are you po-? and in, in in the actual comments they would say why have you posted this why are you drinking that why are you doing that and I'd be I'd go I'd message them um privately going shh don't stop. Everyone can see those comments. Tell me privately. Please don't, don't be asking me this in here. Can we talk about this in private? You don't have to ask me what time you're meeting me on Tuesday in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, my goodness, do you want my recipe? And what did you, you I mean, the recipes things is fine, but they were asking questions that you would really ask, you know, normally. (laughs) Yeah, privately, privately, yeah. But um, no, it was... um, an interesting road to negotiate in the beginning, because especially when you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it and where it's leading. 
So did you have an idea that it could be a, when did you start then? How long you've been doing? So I, so I moved to Hill House in 2010 and um, from London. So I was born in South London and um, have lived in London, apart from um, three years in Bristol where I went to university. I've always been in London. Oh, you went to uni at Bristol? Went to, yes, I went to uni in Bristol, and um, which I love. I love it. Yes, it's around the corner from you. Yes, yeah, cool. exactly. Yes, but um, so, um, so we moved in 2010, and of course our house is called Hill House. And um, I've told this story numerous times before, but for those who don't um, know it, we spent all our money buying the house and then ended up with this house with hardly any furniture because the furniture we had in our London house didn't fill the rooms. So I had to think of, and I'd given up my career. It was a time very similar to you. I'd gone through sort of turmoil of I'm not here enough for the children and I am i didn't feel as if I was giving enough to work. I was working for a fashion. So what used to be your job then, Paul? So I was um, the bookings editor of Elle magazine. Um, and that meant that I produ- I was a producer, a, a fashion shoot and cover shoot producer. So I would be the person amazing put all the nuts and bolts together I'd book the photographer I'd book the stylist I would book the um, models I would book um, everything from the travel to the lighting to the location I would I'd be searching for locations for people to um, shoot in and then um, and then as a team we would look and you know get the ideas for um, what the fashion pages were going to be so every month you would have let's say three shoots in a fashion magazine plus a cover and some beauty pictures and I'd be coordinating all of those things. So it was a wonderful job. Before that, I worked um, in PR um, for, uh, I was also a model booker, but it's always been around the fashion industry. Um, my degree, interestingly enough. So quite visual, very, you clearly. Very visual, but ab- absolutely. Well, and I always knew that. My degree was in um, town planning. So, and town planning, town is, planning. is very technical. There's a lot, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of sort of property law. Um, it's a lot of planning law, obviously. So it was so far removed from what I've ended up doing. You know, it, it's, and um, but before when I was at school, I had ideas and visions of being an interior designer. I didn't quite know what an interior designer was, but I but I used to look at house and garden and homes and gardens. My mother loved interiors magazines, and so I would look and I would you know just fall in love with these, especially country houses you know those wonderful rambling country houses with their beautiful gardens it's always been something I've loved and um, I used to look at these sorts of things and and in these magazines you would often have write-ups from interior designers and I thought that would be a lovely a lovely job and I said to my parents when I leave school I would love to be an interior designer and my parents were sort of what on earth is an interior designer people just buy stuff for their house and that's it they didn't they didn't get the concept of there was somebody who would be paid to design an interior. So as far as they were concerned, you go and do a proper degree, you know. You... I don't think I had even heard of yes, interior designers yes. at well, that Well, it was point. only because of the interiors magazines for me. And I even went to look at a course. It was the American College in London. And I believe at the time, and this is the 80s, the mid 80s, it was one of the only courses I could find that did interior design. But because it was an American college in London, it was a a fee paying. This is back in the day when you had grants and, and, you know, the university system was a very different system at the time. And my parents said, no, you choose, you choose a proper, uh, I mean, proper in inverted commas, because I'm sure this college was wonderful. Um, you choose a proper um, university, you do choose a proper course. What you do after that is your own business. But, you know, for further <laughs> education, you're going to do that. 
so that's why I went on to do a very conventional um, or conventional to me degree. So how did you pick the town planning then? What where did well, that I come from? I wanted to be an architecture, an architect, and there is an element of architecture within the course. But um, I did not get the grades to be an architect. Otherwise, I otherwise it may I may be on Instagram in a very different um, category. But I was desperate to be an architect because I thought, well, that's visual, that's designing, that's creating something that um, that my parents understand because it's buildings. Um, but I didn't get the grades to go on a, an architecture course. So the next best thing I felt was town planning with an, a module of of architecture. But it was all it was all to do with town planning. <laughs> and, um, and, and literally within the first couple of terms, I realized I, this is not going to be me for the rest of my life. This is not going to be my life. However, it was interesting enough that I wanted the degree. I, I, I knew the value of getting the degree and um, and town planning, you know, for the um, town planning nerds among us, it, it is actually quite interesting. <laughs> you know, the zoning laws, <laughs> the, um, you know, how um, the urban environment has been built and how the, you know, the countryside and, and urban. It, it is, I find it, you know, there's that side of me that loves that analytical side of, of living in homes and how countries and towns and cities are built and are created and how they, they move and evolve. But anyway, back back to um, Paul, who didn't actually go on to do that. <laughs> I knew that I wanted something a bit more creative. I knew that I was in love with my fashion magazines as well. And I knew I wanted to go into the fashion industry. So that is how my career started. I did work experience at a model agency when I first finished university. My parents didn't approve. They said, we'll give you a couple of months. If you don't get a job, then that's it. You're going to have to go into town planning. And um, I ended up getting a job. <laughs> so the pressure was the on. The pressure then. was on. But I knew that I, I needed to be in fashion. So um, I was a work experience um, student for um, the PR department of Elite Premier Model Agency. And Elite Premier Model Agency at the time had all of the supermodels. So I used to see... Wow. Naomi Campbell and Claudia Schiffer and, you know, um, Cindy Crawford, all these women. In real life, that's amazing. I've only saw them in... That was very... The supermodels were like the big, big, big thing in the early 90s. I had magazines and cutouts looking at their perfect faces. So it was an incredible um, time and an incredible industry. And um, from PR, I sort of moved on to all around the model agency and, um, and then into magazines. So anyway, the world of fashion is wonderful, but it doesn't stop. It's 24 hours. Um, it's 24-7. And um, it's very enjoyable. But when you're the person who's actually on the nuts and bolts side, you know, you're there making sure a whole team of 12 is um, doing OK. And literally, I, I got burn burnout. You know, I had three young children, three under three at one point, and um, being on call to see if somebody missed a plane or to make sure that the location was open or being there on um, the location at the time was too much for me with three children under three. That's quite stressful. Is it anything like Devil Wears Prada movie? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of real elements. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a lot of real elements there. It depends on the character of the person or the people you're working with. But believe me, it um, there are a lot of those characters. I don't think a lot of these people are allowed to be as, let's say, tricky as, as they were allowed to be in the <laughs> 80s. But in the 80s, yeah. larger than life characters who were quite formidable were... Um, it was a thing, you know, it was sort of, it was almost like the more creative you are, the more fabulous you are, 
that the more um, scary you were allowed to be, the more shouty and um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be allowed these days. A lot of the people, but that's quite stressful. Working yes, it was. It was quite stressful, but also, my goodness, I you know, of course, it was fun. Of course, it was glamorous. Of course, it was wonderful. I was on the fringes of the glamour, but it was you know, it was a wonderful time. Close enough that you could still be seeing absolutely, it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, I moved. We moved to Norfolk because we needed to change our lives. It was just too hectic, and I wanted the children to see me and for me to be at home and to be doing things with them as a family so that turned into um moving to hill house trying to furnish the house i started looking for cheap furniture that i knew to be well made um brown antiques which were were very unpopular at the time on ebay and um and norfolk is known for its sort of vintage emporiums and its vintage um and sort of um antique little shops little curiosity shops you know around every little corner in every village so I'd go hunting for these amazing things and you know I'd find sofas for 10 pounds and chairs at little vintage um auctioneers um that weren't the famous big ones in London and you you know find a set of 12 chairs for 100 pounds so I started um building up my house and layering up my house with this wonderful vintage aesthetic but I had I used to see things that wouldn't fit in my house or I didn't have room enough in my house so I started trading and selling vintage furniture and sort of upcycling and recycling and painting Did you really that's amazing so you had your own little shop um, well I had a stall in a bigger vintage emporium and that's how I became Hill House Vintage because I had to think of a name to sell on eBay and um, so Hill House Vintage was that did you have your YouTube at this point already your how-to plant I had my YouTube within, within the first year because everything I did, I thought, um, well, that's interesting. Let me let me video that. Let me film that. And I had started blogging. I'd watched this. Is a, I'd looked at blogs before, so I decided to start my my blog, and um, and that was um, what did I call my blog? It was a Hill House Living, or uh, oh, the Hill House Diaries. So a lot of people on Instagram first knew me as the Hill House Diaries, and it was literally me documenting what it was like to be a Londoner who had moved, a very urban person who had moved to the countryside in the middle of nowhere and was starting this new life. So my Hill House Diaries kick-started everything. So what, what, what year was this then? So I think, so blogging I started immediately. I hit the ground running with the blog. So um, 2010 was the blog, that was the Hill House Diaries. Um, I think I started YouTube in about 2011. Blimey, that's early. And then um, Instagram didn't come along until either 2013 or 14. And was that always, did you have always quite business take on it? Oh or my was that just goodness, for your... no, I'm the least business, I'm terrible. I'm the <laughs> least business, haven't you noticed? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so random. You had a shop, I'm thinking, come on, you surely you had this whole big business plan and taking over the world. Everything I've done, I started thinking about it the day before. It's like, oh, that, there's um oh there's a some there's a person there's a person who's um advertising for stalls and if they, if anyone wants to sell I'll do that oh look somebody's doing YouTube I'll do that that I, I my whole um business plan is oh that looks interesting I'll try that literally that that's you're easily excitable I'm aren't you easily excitable. You get, yeah. and I'm a have a go person you know if there's something interesting there I'll have a go you know. That's how I end up doing things as well. I just find something exciting. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a go and let's see how it goes. I think and if you overthink things, you can often be scared off. Yeah, you won't do anything. And I, and you know, if I overthink or 
if I think, am I brave enough to do it? Just that question will stop me trying. So I try and jump o- I try and jump over that part. I think when you have also when you have kind of like gone through a bit of a change in your life, like career change and you have moved to somewhere else, I feel like for a lot of us it really knocks down our confidence in our skills and are we still relevant and are we able to or anything. So I think sometimes just get it started and see how it goes. You can just fake until you make it. And, you know, it's also kind of like there's absolutely no shame in stopping doing things that you just find that aren't aren't for you. So it's not like you have to sign up for your rest of your life that you start a podcast or you start a YouTube channel and now you have to do it forever. No, you just do it five times and then you just say that, no, actually, this is enough for me now. But you have to sort of learn to have that attitude, don't you think? Because I remember... I do remember distinctly when I was sort of um, in the early years of Hill House, and even though I was doing the blog and I was um, creating stuff for YouTube, I was still, it it wasn't with the idea of it becoming a business. I didn't have this grand plan that this would be the thing. I was doing all of this while thinking of what my new job was going to be. So this was all a sideline in preparation for whatever the career was going to be. And like you, I was thinking of maybe I should assist in a school Maybe I should um, get a job in a shop. You know, there were all these other ideas of how can I create the the life I wanted, and this and all this was happening while social media was going on on in the background as my pastime hobby, something to fill my hours while I was thinking of the real job and the real career. And um, I always remember um, going to a friend's wedding years ago, and the mother said, um, "Oh, hello, you work in a magazine. I used to work at." Um, whatever the magazine was she was saying. And I remember thinking, and she'd been working at that magazine decades before. And um, and I remember thinking, oh, she was so desperate to tell me she worked at the magazine. You know, I wonder what she's done since. Why is she telling me about something years and years ago? And then I got to Norfolk and people would always say, oh, hello, what, what do you do? And I found myself going, I used to work at Elle magazine. I used to work at, I used to, I used to. And for years, you're, you're, uh, and I used to, as opposed to what I'm doing now, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was exactly the same. I I used to, but people ask me, what do you do? I used to lead with the ball. I am, I was a scientist, but now I do this and that. And, you know, like, it just felt like that kind of like gives almost like the justification that, yes, I have had a kind of like a bit of a job as well. And now I'm doing just something else. That That's so interesting because it is the justi- it's justifying that you're not just doing nothing. And I remember um, when I was on social media and that when you started to have the inkling of, oh, people are people are actually making this a career, making this work. But even then there was that transition of, you know, people would say, why are you always on your phone? What are you doing on your phone? And you'd have to always justify. Now people know what people are doing. You know, the idea of being a content creator is a known thing. And, you know, many people are finding wonderful ways of getting into working in social media through content creation. And that's a brilliant thing. It opens up so many horizons and so many opportunities for people. But back in the day, people would go, what on earth are you doing on your phone? What, you know, why are you on your phone the whole time? Yeah, it was kind of like a less of a career choice. It was more like, well, are you just doing to, like, you know, people found it very difficult to see what the point was. Yes, it it seemed to have no substance. Yes, or, or no sense. Like, are you just, why? Why would you be doing wasting that? Wasting time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So... 
And this is why I call myself an accidental influencer, because it happened while I was thinking about my, <laughs> my going to do job. You? <laughs> 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 oh dear. But yeah, so that's how, and then it just sort of grew through community, really. It started off with people um, doing up houses or um, people who were into their garden. And I, and I was learning from other people as much as other people. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I still am. Yeah. For me, and I'm still always learning and being inspired by people. And and yes, I would never put myself up as somebody who is a great teacher. But if you can inspire people or encourage people doing what we do, then it's a wonderful thing. And it's an amazing thing to also, you know, there are rewards to be had. You do, you can end up collaborating and working with amazing brands. And it's fantastic. I mean, I would urge everyone to try it. It doesn't have to be your main career. It doesn't have to be the only thing you do but you know have a go have a go it's um it's it's a wonderful creative outlet and it doesn't have to be for a career it's just a joyful thing to do I was just going to say that the community alone especially if you have an interest of something like say interiors or whatever pottery or gardening and your friends are not so your real life friends are not so into it it's an amazing place to find people with similar interests like that's how I found when I first started it that I, I just didn't have many friends in real life who were quite so interested in houses and interiors as I was and there was just you know all of a sudden you have this whole big group of people who just really enjoy seeing their room from you know fifth angle absolutely it's like joining the best club without having to leave the comfort of your own home which can only be a good thing absolutely we love being at home don't we you and me Paula so it's it's a perfect place for us but it is also I get lots of people asking me that how you know that obviously lots of people find it very scary when you're first starting and I mean it is quite daunting don't get me wrong I've always been more of an introvert and definitely not somebody who enjoys the you know, be the center of attention or anything. But I always say to people, you just have to start with whatever you feel comfortable. Like I, my first five years on Instagram, or maybe not five years, three years of Instagram, nobody had no any idea what I looked like. So I was just literally just posting pictures of my house or cushions and the coffee. I had not my real name in there. It felt very much kind of like I was completely just you know, anonymous in there. And then when I started to appear more on my content, I did it little by little. So, you know, first I'm still images and then you get used to it. It's amazing. I would have never, ever, like when you first suggested to me that let's do a podcast on our trip to Paris, I was like, are you crazy? I'm never, ever going to, I'm never, ever going to be doing that. And here I am. And we are not just talking. We are actually videoing this whole thing, which makes it extra scary. But you get used to things and then they become kind of like, well, it's not so scary anymore. You get so used to things. I used to tell people, I tell people now that there was a time I I had braces on both up and on bottom sets of teeth when I was uh, between 12 and 16. Now, um, since the, and you know, my teeth became straight because I had a very big overbite. Um, Since then my teeth have rebelled and they've come straight back out again in my older age. But it's so I used to hide my mouth all the time. You would not see a photograph with me where I was smiling or I would try and hide. I was I felt happier in the background. What social media actually has done is it's made me more comfortable with with my teeth, with how I look, with aging, with with everything, because the more you see yourself, 
the less hung up you are about your imperfections or the things that you're not so sure about or the things that you feel slightly uneasy about. And it's actually built up my confidence. It's not because I sit here thinking I look, you know. <laughs> Although you do I, look. <laughs> I, I look okay. I look okay. It's not because of that. It's because you stop caring. You stop You stop looking and critiquing because you're so used to You it. become more acceptant like, you know, of yourself. Like, you become yeah. more, absolutely. You know, my teeth are not straight. There's not one straight tooth there. But you know what? Hey, that's, that's, what, that's what I look like. It's fine. I'm used to it. You know, you, you kind of almost forget the things that you, that you used to cover up in the past. But I was the same. Like my first few years of Instagram, you didn't see me at all. You saw the house. You saw, I mean, my dog, Coco, was always the star for the first um, many, many, many years. And I would often do, I, I've always done video. That's the interesting thing. I'm not very good at sort of very quick, snappy reels, but I've always shot video. I used to do videos of um, my dog walks with Coco. So I've always done video and a mixture of music. I've always put my jazzy music and my... Ella Fitzgerald on my um on my music so reels um is an interesting thing for me because I always my natural instinct is to do long form content so my my reel is never snappy. well your reels are beautiful your videos are beautiful I'm happy to watch them as long as you make it like you know they I don't care how long they are <laughs> but I guess these days people are just the attention span seems to be getting shorter and shorter so absolutely but you know I see it as a meditative sort of experience I want to sort of take people on a journey and it, it's meant to be a beautiful journey but um but yes I used to show myself once a year on my birthday <laughs> that was it in the beginning and even then I I was forced to do that I remember the first time I showed myself I was actually this is so weird it was um those what are you doing now hashtags. yes I remember that yeah or what no what I'm doing now and um there was an Australian lady who said right we need to see a photo of what you're doing now and you would literally post something you know now on the grid this is not me this is before stories I was I remember I was hanging some washing out I mean can you imagine that was my um my my main grid post I think it's still up there I I never take it this is the thing I never take anything down so it's the the history and the story of of how I've changed and evolved is all there for everyone to see I have no shame (laughs) you know it's like go and see how I look at all of the um Look at all of this sort of like the blurred romantic um, effects that I would put on the face. Yes, yeah, those were big thing. Yeah, those strong filters. We all love them. We all <laughs> did love them. Yeah. Oh my goodness! But um, yes, and then I st- and what had happened is every time I showed myself once a year, people would say, "Oh, it's great to see you. We want to see more." And your confidence sort of grows a little bit from that. And with that, my um. Because I have a quirky style, you know, I don't, I'm not, even though I've worked in fashion, interestingly, I've never followed fashion that much because I, I love a sort of vintage hint of You have gorgeous style. style and it's very much yours, which makes it so much more interesting than if you wear just oh, head to toe, <laughs> always the latest fashion, whatever that might be. So it's no, I, and I think you, like, it's very obvious, even for untrained I like myself, that you have a very good idea how your outfits work and how the pieces are looking together. So I feel like that you're, you, you are one of those people who's like, style matches their interiors absolutely perfectly i dress i definitely dress like my house (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness but it's so yes it's sort of so it grew so i suppose the whole idea of becoming a content creator or influencer goes hand in hand with 
I mean, would you say this is true? The minute you started showing yourself so people could actually identify who they were following? And- I, I, I feel like for me, I was doing it a little bit earlier already. I guess I was just quite strictly on the interior side. So I had definitely worked with brands already before I started showing myself. It was I actually was forced to show myself not by because my audience was requesting at all. I'm sure nobody really wanted to see me, but it was when we moved to Bath and I had moved from the beautiful Victorian house, which we had done, the house we had done up. And all of a sudden it was November and I was living in this, you know, sad, tired and very dark bungalow. And I had nothing to show to anybody because that was the other thing that back in the day, these days, what I really like about the one thing that I think TikTok has been really good is that it has brought more this kind of like rawness to the content. But even when we first moved in here, you went, you know, showing just before content, before you had any afters, was just not done thing at all. It was all it needed to be pretty and you needed to have everything in there. So I basically was more out of desperation, was just thinking, well, let me put myself out there and let me do something, yes. you know. As a, as a, as a distraction. Yes, almost like, yes. Like, <laughs> look, I still have, I, I still can post something. And I mean, I absolutely have, like, fashion has always been, I feel like that that's how it often goes. I guess when we are in our 20s and we have no money and we live in a little, you know, I, I lived in my last flat in Helsinki, had 17 square meters. And that was the whole flat. So, you know, obviously there was not much you could do from the decor wise. But so I think it was in, in the 20s, it's often all about fashion. And then in the 30s, it might become more interiors. And then I find that now that I'm getting older, it's becoming more and more gardens. So I think it's just like this transition. I don't know what's going to be next, like crafts or knitting or something. <laughs> Baking. Baking, yes, all exactly. Good. It's 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 all good, you see. I but then I, I find that fascinating to see how people um, interpret um, their feelings of home into their their baking, their garden, their interiors, their fashion. It's um, I love seeing different people's ideas, and, and just because I think I've been described as having a very cottage core style in the past, I love that. But I also love modern houses or modern styles on other people. I love watching it as a viewer. I love um, taking in other pieces. It's a beautiful, rich tapestry of life of seeing other people's um, style and other Absolutely. It would be so boring if everybody's houses and style would be just carbon copy of each other. It's just so nice. And you can definitely appreciate, even if you have a, you know, you wouldn't imagine having any other style in your own home. It doesn't mean that you can't appreciate people's style if it's complete opposite to yours when it's done nicely absolutely absolutely how did you start working with brands well I can tell you my first story of my first ever collaboration which I can't remember how many followers I had but maybe 7,000 or something and it was Vagamamas I oh, had wow. yes, I still remember that really clearly Yum. because I was living. I went to Windsor because Windsor had the clear uh, closest Wagamamas. I got fifty pound voucher for the food and forty pounds of payment for the the collaboration. And I remember going to pick up the food, and I had to tell the the, the person who was working at Wagamamas that 
this is a collaboration, so I'm, you know, I'm allowed to get this. And I remember feeling both proud and embarrassed at the same time. And then I took the food, I drove back home, put it in pretty plates and bowls and took some photos of it. I think I might still have that on my feet somewhere. So if you scroll down. Oh my enough. goodness. That's an amazing one to start with. It, I think so too. I was very happy, really very happy. I thought this is it, start of my, and I spent the money before I even got home with the food because there was a sweaty Betty shop <laughs> next to the, the Wagamama. So I went there and I spent the £40 plus £30 of my own money for something. Trousers. Oh, yeah, it was a gym trousers. I actually still have the better trousers, so it was a good, <laughs> good purchase. Oh, my goodness. A good purchase, absolutely. So what was your first? It was really bizarre. My first proper... Cal- uh, I had um, created content um, on my blog for I think Laura Rushley and a couple of other places, they contacted me on my blog and said, oh, you know, would you like um, a, a bowl or would you like a mug? And I'd go, oh, lovely. And um, and would you like to write about the new um, spring season or whatever? So I would you know, do things like that, which, as I say, I didn't really think would turn into anything major. Um, but on Instagram, I had a very random one. I remember I was standing in line with my daughter at her athletics class and um and it was an evening it was a very dark and um wintry evening and i was i remember thinking i've really got to i've got to get a job i've got to find <laughs> something i can't just keep you know going around and around in circles wondering what i'm going to be doing um you know i was I had the stall which i was always going to keep but um it hadn't sort of blossomed into a massive career it was just a wonderful thing to be doing that sort of gave me you know a, a little bit of an income and um, I suddenly got this, must have been an email from a French company that um, did dog food. <laughs> and, so um, Coco got your first job, basically. I know. <laughs> it's all down to Coco. She's always been my guardian angel. And, um, and she, um, because they'd watched me do the dog walks and they'd watched me do um, all the sort of like different content with her. And, um, and they wanted to collaborate me because of, uh, with me because of Coco. So yes, my first one was because I um, had a dog. So and they wanted a YouTube video and a blog post, and um, yes, and an Instagram post. So, wow! So, so that was a quite big collaboration. Do you want to share us how much money did you get paid for that? Given I shared my know, forty pounds with you, so no. <laughs> do, do you know this was three thousand <gasps> euro? And and the reason I the reason I mentioned that I was standing in that queue, wondering what I was going to do, is because literally it, you couldn't have asked for a more a bigger sign that I was on the right path than that. And I do remember at that point thinking, okay, I'm going to stick with it. Um, I was I was the relief because I didn't you know I'd moved across the country. And I didn't have a career and I was beginning to think maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I've maybe this my husband was still commuting to London. And I thought maybe I've made a mistake. The lifestyle is wonderful. My children are flourishing. It's all wholesome and gorgeous and wonderful. But I need to be doing something more than just waiting for my children to come home at the end of the day. And and I had reached a, a pivotal point where I thought, gosh, you know, I've got to make some pretty tough decisions. And then and this that's what happened. dog food campaign came in. And it was, 
And it was thank you, heaven, yeah. for the sign yeah. that you know, no, persevere and keep at it and keep going. Um, that that I didn't I didn't get paid like that for the next um, four years. <laughs> that was that was the peak, and then it and then it, and then it dropped. Dropped, by the way, you know, that, exactly. Then it went back to the 40 pounds. But, um, but yeah, it was a sign. Well, this has been amazing. I wonder if we almost need to put this press pause now and maybe carry on. Maybe we need to do part Absolutely. two. So when we talk about just the last there, five years, which is probably a story of so its own. There are so many stories, exactly. There are so many stories to be told. There's a lot more to it, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't, we, we definitely spoke more than I expected. I thought, well, this is going to be quickly <laughs> done. I said to my husband, yeah, yeah, I can pick our dog from the dog creamers. We'll be done by see, 12 see o'clock. 20 minutes. <laughs> if you like this episode and would like to help the joy of home podcast please share with your friends rate and review and you can subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts